Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Surfcast, Mobile Surf's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who still refers to himself as the bad boy of tech. He's on the pod again. He's here every week. He is the co-host after all. How are you doing, Brad? I'd stomp on it. I'd stomp on tech. You'd stomp Put it right under tech. my heel. I don't That's care. Good. I don't care about <laughs> any of this. Um, but you know, there are a few things I care about. I think we're going to talk about them today because Pat and I just got back from WWDC 2023 and there was so much stuff. Way too much stuff, even. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. We're going to talk about the Vision Pro, the 15-inch uh, MacBook Air, very briefly, the M2 Ultra chip, all the software updates, iOS 17, all the 17s. Um, and we we're both there at, at this year's event for the first time. That's a bit of a first for Mobile Syrup to have more than one human being at an Apple event, let alone any event, really. Two human um, beings. Yeah, two, two, two human beings, two, two well, full people. Yeah, I'm part robot, but yeah, part... we were there. <laughs> I'm like Ash from Alien. <laughs> I'm full of milk. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> That's great. You now you just have to get like a glass of milk and put it on the table. Yeah, every episode, just like drinking the milk and everyone's watching like, is that his blood or is he just like milk? Because I don't think they ever really say that. I think Ash drinks milk in the movie. Anyway, side tangent on Alien. Yeah, they never they never really reveal it, I don't think. Um, I just remember it being gross. But I, I think just to to kick things off, I'll ask you, what did you think about this year's WWDC? Were you impressed with what you saw? Did you think it was low-key? Last year's was, I don't want to say awful, but there wasn't really anything interesting. This year, I think we saw some cool hardware announcements, but where was your head at with all that? Yeah, I mean, elephant in the room, Vision Pro at the end of it was like a knock-your-socks-off moment. Like, it was just really exciting. Like, who knows what's going to happen there? And, I mean, it was just nice to be there and to see that and kind of see that shift potentially happen who knows if the shift will happen but to be on the like boots on the ground for that is like maybe i'll tell my kids about this someday which is an interesting one but yeah compared to last year last year we were looking at like i feel like coming out of it we were like okay it's the ios 16 like software updates and like these new software features but this year it really does seem like hardware um although the software still has a lot of like hidden gems which is kind of good for us on the like press core because we get to like spend a couple of weeks unpacking all that and help our wwdc coverage last a little longer which is always nice um yeah more fonts you know it looks like there's more fonts and that's my number one sorry i think the thing for me was this was the most hardware focused wwdc i've seen in a while we didn't just get the vision pro which is obviously like a a big deal. It's a historic moment for Apple, but regardless of how you feel about the company, like the the number of times that Apple has introduced new product categories, they're, they're very, very computing few. platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Like the last one was the Apple watch and I wasn't, I was covering the industry, but I wasn't at that particular event. So uh, I've been around a long time and this is the first time that I was at an event where it was, this is an entirely new product other than the home pod, which I don't 
really totally count for reasons that I can't really wrap my head around. Yeah, I, well, I think HomePod, AirPods, as much as they became a huge like market for Apple, like AirPods definitely sell gangbusters. But yeah, it's just like not, it, it didn't really represent the future. And as much as it was just like, this is a nice little accessory. Whereas the, the Vision Pro isn't an accessory. It's like if you, you could just, well, no one would, and I, I can't imagine anyone would for a few years. But in theory, the promise that they're sort of outlining for us is that you could just buy it as your only Apple device and it would work and it would be great. It's going to replace Whereas if you just your, bought uh, AirPods, it would be a brutal situation for you. I don't it's know. It's going to replace you your soundbar and your TV and what was the other thing that was mentioned? And your computer, I think. Oh, and, you, and your computer. Yeah, yeah. It'll be the one, the all in one device. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, the one Before computer talk... will definitely replace. Okay, I was going to segue into the MacBook Air because it's no. Oh yeah, you're you're, be, you're beating me to it. Um, okay. Yeah. Before we get into the rest of the hardware stuff, let's let's talk about some of the more low key software announcements. So there's iOS 17 and iPad OS 17, um, and across the board, as far as I'm concerned, they're pretty pedestrian updates. Like iOS 17, the only thing that stood out to me was standby mode. I think that's cool. It's a really interesting feature, being able to put your phone just on your desk or on your bedside and having it basically turn into a clock that shows you very specific information that you might be interested in over the course of the day. That's neat. I, I like literally put my phone on a stand all the time in front of me on my desk at home. So that's something that I would actually personally use. iPad yeah, I'm OS. still hoping to figure out if that is MagSafe only or not. So Excuse me. Uh, I believe oh, we were told that I it was that. MagSafe only at, at one of the dinners. I think it, it slipped out. I wasn't sure. Um, but Kat just did a video on iOS 17 yesterday, which maybe went around. I was like, uh, sort of stuff. Um, but I think she said that it worked even when it was plugged in. So it, it, it's really up in the air right now. And um, no one, I think, on our team has the beta yet. So we can't really determine. And then the betas aren't really finalized or set in stone. So it's hard to determine from that. But it would be nice if it worked on like regular wireless charging or even plugged in because that would just be handy to like kind of have that all the time you plug in as more of a consistent thing you can bank on rather than being like this only works on my MagSafe charger on my desk or my, I don't know where, MagSafe charger in my car or whatever, you know. Yeah, so That's we operate in this, this weird world where like to agree to attend WWDC, we sign this embargo and it dictates that we can't talk about the developer we can talk about the developer the developer betas and what we saw during the presentation um but we can't publicly like write about or make videos about the developer betas on our phones um so we yeah can. like what we just can't release it until the public beta goes live. yes yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, last yeah. year i had the developer beta of ios 16 and i did a big feature on it but i wasn't allowed to release it until the public beta went live which kind of does make sense like i get how it sort of helps the like fanfare of the public beta and like letting people know in sort of a second wave what's there but yeah it is a bit restrictive when we're trying to find these like nitty-gritty features um it's just you know, also kind of silly to an extent because like some of the less apple access apple blogs are doing all of that right and we're writing yeah. about it anyways but we're not actually using the the the, the beta. Well, we are using the beta but we're not using it's like this weird thing this weird like loophole i i don't really understand it from apple's perspective totally um but yeah that, that's pretty inside baseball i mean going back to ipad os and ios was there anything that stood out to you other than standby um st i mean standby is the big one showing me like you know ambient information clocks calendar 
like upcoming agenda stuff and then also like being a virtual photo frame you know how i love like putting my photos in my wallpaper so that's being true, able to yeah. like drop my iphone on a charger underneath my desk when i'm working and my photos will just come through for me to kind of see um brings me joy so I'm, I'm happy about that um and then i have a few other things that i did get excited about and so there's new oh yeah like i was saying before the fonts so there's new font wait so in they finally brought customizable lock screens to ipad os and it does seem like it's going to come to mac next year because they did change the way the mac lock screen looks but i don't think you can customize it yet but you can adjust the font weight so that kind of gives you more options with the fonts and i do believe that it's going to add more fonts as well because when they showed off the contact card thing which is another part of ios updates where you can build a new contact card so similarly, when you have an iMessage profile and then your friends get the profile picture you've chosen on their iMessage screen, this would happen on sort of a larger scale. So even when you call them, it would be like a cool cover photo of you. Um, but when Apple showed off that, it showed off different fonts than the lock screen, but the same sort of font customization editor. So it leads me to believe that those fonts will be all over the place, which is exciting. And uh yeah, that was like my little huge nerd out thing. It was just like finally more customization options. Customization Still options cool for lock though. Screen. Oh yeah. Um, and then one of the weird things that we didn't talk about a lot, but they did announce is Apple announced a whole new app. They announced a journal. What's app. the app? What's it called? Journal. journal. You would you do? Oh yeah, I totally yeah, forgot right? about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when I was doing my research, I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot about that. And guess what? It's not even coming out with iOS 17. It's coming out. It's the later this year feature this year you know there's always one even... feature that like comes out later i think it was uh so whatever sweater modes real real thing is called uh oh yeah i know what you're like talking about really fine details anyway and last year it was sos and this year it does appear to be this like journaling app um, deep fusion is, yeah that was that's what it was called but yeah why what, why do you think the journaling app is delayed and why do you think they even made a journaling app i don't know sometimes <laughs> they'll release apps that like i don't really see like there's so many third-party apps out there already that do exactly what this app is offering and they've existed forever i think sometimes apple sees those apps and decides that it wants to do its own take on it i'm sure whatever apple's doing is probably better than what third-party developers are doing um maybe it's even like a third-party app that it killed off and like just absorbed into the apple spaceship something like that we see that happen all the time um but I, i don't see why it would be delayed it's just a it's a journaling app it's not like some kind of crazy feature or something like that. Yeah, I believe there is supposed to be a bit of uh, stuff in it, but like nothing, nothing specifically insane, you know, like nothing that seemed to be like, whoa, that's next gen. You know, it didn't seem like it was full of AI or anything specifically like that. Well, so. I think, I think a good thing to point out there is like we forgot about it. So yeah, it I think most wasn't people did. That ex- exciting, right? Um, simple fact that like i didn't even have that in the podcast notes i forgot that it existed yeah it says on apple's website journal is a new way to reflect on and relive special moments capture your thoughts on life's big events or everyday activities add details to any entry with photos music and audio recordings and more mark important moments and revisit them later to find new insights and set goals and then the other thing it sort of says on that is no one can access your journal but you like you can lock it down with biometrics so it's interesting. Huh. Maybe I'll start journaling more, but I don't know. I, I don't know if you're with me, but we write too much for me to write. I'm not. Myself. I'm not journaling. Like, yeah. there's no way. This is I, my I journal. Find... You guys are all <laughs> privy to it right here. MobileSyrup.com is my journal of tech stuff. Every, every day, I, I write something. Yeah. Um, 
But I think that covers iOS 17 and iPad OS 17. Watch OS 10, I think, was set up to be this big, like, total revamp of the operating system. And I don't think that's necessarily entirely what we got. The only thing that stood out to me, and I know there are probably like a few other big updates, was widgets. Yep. Um, I like the idea of more at a glance information on the watch, but I haven't had the time to like delve in and really figure out how these widgets work. But I know you you wrote like a little story summarizing all of the watch OS uh, updates. Yeah, because like you, I, I watched the presentation and uh, well, we were blogging it, so things things definitely fly you by us stuff. in that first wave. Yeah, it's it's fast and furious, but we so always try to catch back up to the rest of the day. So anyway, I was like, I'm going to write a piece about watchOS because that was a bit, of, a bit of my blind spot. And they actually did revamp everything. Not okay, really, okay, sorry, no, not everything. It's just really subtle. Um, but as okay. the watches have been getting bigger and bigger over the years, they just have a little more screen real estate to play with on the low end. And so they've sort of redesigned apps to play on the edges of screens more than being one big button in the middle. So, for example, the weather app now will show you kind of the hourly forecast in the middle and then have a button in each corner to take you somewhere else. Whereas previously, That's it didn't nice, have though. buttons because there just wasn't enough space. And yeah, a lot of apps now, see the big redesign is that they sort of the app design ethos on Apple Watch is less about simplicity and you can add more buttons and make them act more like regular apps especially like you you're wearing the ultra right now like huge screen alex i know has a smaller size series 7 or series 8 but that one also like the they re, they bumped up the small screen on that to be as big as the large series 5 watch that i have so there's a more level playing field i think now that allows them to do more stuff like that and then on top of that the home screen that like honeycomb kind of visual grid which to be honest I always liked, I, I did find it like kind of quick to go around, like when you get used to it. Um, just, but now it's, it's still a honeycomb, but it only goes up and down. So it's more predictable you basically. So previously you have, you start in the middle right now and you have like, you're like, I want to look for notes. So you like, yeah. And then you zoom down, in and notes isn't the there. Crown. Yeah. But like you, you, but you go down notes isn't there. So you're like, Oh, I have to go up. It's not there. You have to go into the corner. Like you're looking in all oh, these different directions. Yeah, yeah. And you can't find it. Now it's just a straight up and down grid. So it's like, I four see apps, okay. four apps, four apps, four apps, four apps. And then, so it's just, I think it will act more predictably for people and it'll be easier to use in the end of the day. It's not as slow as going through the entire list with the names of the apps, but it is a similar up and down the, motion that only goes one way. The list view is still around though, right? That's what I use. Yeah. I imagine they have all three. Okay. I'd imagine they'd have all three just as this transitionary phase, but I think the new one is going to be faster because it's basically the list you view, but it will show you like 20 apps instead of four at a time kind of thing. Cool. Um, was there anything else in watchOS 10 that was noteworthy? One sec. I put it in the notes here. That's the one that is a total blind spot for me. I like, I don't know what I was doing during that portion of the presentation, but I was not paying attention to what they were talking about. Um, one of the things that kind of got announced with like a backbone of a lot of things was just like map updates where they're going to have like elevation data and whatnot. But a cool part about that on the watch is that it shows this like walkable circle around you. So it will show you like, you know, any way you walk in this direction will take about 10 minutes. So if you like quickly look at a map and you're like, I want to find a restaurant near me, what's within like walking distance, it will give you kind of a more accurate, just like at a glance notion for that, which I thought was cool. That's cool. Um, similar to like hiking, although hiking is usually on a trail. You're not usually just being like, what if I go 10 minutes over there? I mean, it's all whatever, but it's kind of cool. And then leading out of that, the Compass app that got a big kind of revamp with the Apple Watch Ultra last year and then coming into this year got a cool backtracking feature that when you use it will show you where you last had service and where you last had sos service 
Um, is this through waypoints, like dropping waypoints? Yeah, it just auto drops okay. these waypoints, um, which is kind of cool. So if you're like backtracking in unfamiliar territory and you have spotty service and then something happens, you can quickly like look at your watch and be like, okay, a uh, kilometer back, we had SOS service. I guess that's where we go. Um, you know, and, and that's a pretty cool feature. Minimal. I mean, I was one that I went home this weekend and my dad is a big like outdoorsman, like hunting, fishing kind of guy. And he has like the original like Garmin backtracks that he really, really loves. Um, and I was like showing him this and he was like, oh, no way. And he has a Fitbit to track his steps. And he's like, that does my steps too, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, wow, how long does it last? And I was like, ah, only a day. And he's like, oh, yeah. if we get a bit more, I'd be in. And then I was like, well, there is one that does last a little longer and it's kind of more your style, but it's like, how much is the Ultra? Like 800 bucks. Uh, might even be a thousand, honestly. Let the me Ultra's check. Really it's expensive. pretty expensive. But yeah, that was, was like, the same ah, thing. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> that was the same thing that my brother said. Like he's always buying whatever the latest Garmin watches, and he goes on like long canoe trips and stuff like that. And the reason why he's never well, first of all, he doesn't own an iPhone. He does have one now, but back then, the reason why he never considered switching was because uh, the battery life. Like he needs it to last that long. He doesn't really have a way to charge it on the go, other than like a portable battery pack. So the yeah. Ultra is a thousand ninety nine on the low end until you maybe add. I'll no, it, to, it, they're all thousand ninety nine now. Maybe I'll try to get one to review when I go on my camping trip, and I I want it because I want to use it in low power mode for the whole time, and see like okay, can I if I'm on like a long extended trip like this, if I use it in low power mode, where I'm supposed to get at least four or five days of battery out of it, do I lose access to these like auto pinning backtrack features? Like what gets locked out when I want to use it in like a more survivalist situation? Not a that would be a, is a little extreme. But I'm kind of curious, yeah. A more remote situation. That would be a really cool yeah. story, though. One more battery I, life really mattered. Yeah, because there's very yeah. few reviews out there beyond like things that like outdoor YouTube channels and magazines and stuff have done that have really mm -hmm. used the utility of the Ultra. Like, I switched to it just because I saw so many people wearing it at the event, and I was like, oh, I have this sitting in my drawer. I should really give it more of a real chance. Yeah. Um, and I don't hate it as much as I thought I would. I really do enjoy the extra battery life like I, I haven't plugged it in for two days and it's still it's good nice. um and then the other thing that I, I was gonna mention this to you before the pod that i didn't realize is like if you're swimming with it and this is kind of useless for me but like i was swimming in just like a pool on the weekend it automatically goes into um like water mode which sure the other apple watch does that too but it'll show you the depth. Like if you put your hand down, it'll tell you like how uh, deep it's going, which is kind of cool. kind of cool and like an interesting thing. I don't know what I would personally ever use that for, but it's a feature that I didn't even know the Apple Watch Ultra had because I never really. But gave I mean, it a chance. if you were like a recreational, even like not even scoop, do whatever, but a snorkeler, and you're like, okay, this watch can go down a certain amount, and I know like if I go down a certain amount, pressure is going to start to become a problem. So having that yeah. just like instantly be like dive in and be like, all right, I'm down like eight feet. Good to go. That's pretty cool, actually. And I like the like instant reaction of the watch. It just that. happened right neat. away. I was like looking at it in the pool. I'm like, what is this showing me? Oh, whoa, it's the depth. It was it was just like one of those aha moments where I've I've used this thing for several weeks in the past, but I didn't know that was a feature that existed. Fair enough. This is pretty cool. I have one last thing, and this ties into a, a kind of bit of the iOS updates from last year too. So I think it is worth talking about, but it's the Apple Watch biking workout and how it's now tied to your iPhone. Um, so previously when you're doing any workout, it will like prompt you like, Hey, you're doing this workout. You want to record it, whatever. So that's pretty cool. It will already do that. But now when it does that, it will also send a notification to your phone. Um, because a lot of people when they're biking will have their phone in a, uh, not a dock, 
I guess it's kind of a dock. What are those things called? A phone holder on your handlebars. Like a basically. holder you know of some talking. kind, yeah. Yeah, like a clamp, whatever. I have one. You got it in there so you can see the screen. Um, and so that way you can, like, without having to take your wrist off the handlebars, you can just, I don't know. For me, it's just my, I've watched it on my left wrist, and I definitely like pulling. Like, you, it's hard to pull both off because you have to touch with one hand, so you have to, like, reach down on your hand on the handlebar. It's not a great interaction with the watch on a bike. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this will pop up as a live activity on your phone. So you can see all your stats on your phone screen as you're biking, you know, cadence, speed, rhythm. If you have a bike computer, if not, it will just show you like the, your heartbeat and the regular workout information you would get from the watch. But you can click on that live activity thing and it will spread up to like the full screen to show you like all your bike stuff, just kind of in a non-distracting way. And I just I would think use that this. is a, yeah. And I just think similar to what you were saying with the Apple watch automatically going into like water mode, this is just, I can now hop on my bike put my phone on my bike holder or my phone holder. I need to find out like a smoother way to say that. Um, I can just strap my phone into my bike and just go. And then like within two minutes, it's going to pop up and record my, my trip. And that's pretty cool and pretty seamless and a really good use of live activities, which I'm, we have seen a bit more come out at the end of the year. That was like iOS 16's kind of big feature. Um, but I'm hoping we get more and more of them because things like this are really good, really seamless, and, and they seem like really almost proactive and convenient. And I, I think that's really smart and it's good design. So hypes me up more than it should, I guess. Should we? No, should we I would use that all now? the time. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna launch that the next time. Well, when when it comes out, when uh, WatchOS 10 is actually out. We didn't mention anything about iPad OS uh, 17. I'll just quickly say the only thing that I saw that was interesting was the fact that the custom lock screen stuff is finally coming to iPad OS, which launched on iOS 16. That's the only thing that I want to note. Um, but just in in interest of time, we'll very briefly talk about tvOS 17 and macOS Sonoma. The thing that I think is the killer app with tvOS 17 now is the ability to find the Siri remote, like if you happen to lose it through your iPhone. Like, yeah. I don't know why more people aren't talking about that. And I also really don't understand how it works like i asked apple during a briefing that i was in and couldn't get like a, a clear answer explaining the way that it works i'm assuming it's some sort of wireless signal that connects the tv remote um to to the apple tv and and the iphone and tvOS are like hijacking that I, I don't know how it works i'm just glad that it exists because i lose my siri remote probably at least once a week if not more and there was one instance where I lost it for like two weeks. I just couldn't find it. It had like fallen inside my couch somehow, like through a little hole in it. Um, so I'm I'm hyped about that. But fair enough. Yeah, I haven't dug, dug enough into that. I, I just did a quick search. So it doesn't seem like the Apple TV remote has ultra wideband, which is what no, it doesn't really drags you in. So it must be maybe it connects to the TV with like Wi-Fi Direct or something, which would That's still send off like a spectrum. Yeah, and you could track it down and what they really should do is put a little speaker on it. Or maybe there is, but like if it could give a little chirp sound, that would be really helpful too or something. It should also just have the ultra wideband chip. Like that was the argument that I was making Honestly, when that yeah. remote first came out. Like how much would that have really cost to put that in? That said, yeah. whatever they're doing, if this works, because obviously we haven't tried it yet, it's a killer, killer feature for me anyways. Yeah. Yeah. On TVS, it was really not much else. I mean, they like updated some of the visuals. I think you can have more apps across your rows now. Um, and then what was it? Oh yeah. FaceTime, like you already said, which is kind of cool. FaceTime, um, yeah. it's interesting that this actually came so late. Um, but I guess this really comes on the back of Apple developing. It's, uh, 
continuity camera yeah. camera continuity which is uh, like probably i don't know if this will be a video episode but like that's what's filming right now is my iphone on a stick over there so pretty cool stuff works really really well so far in our experience so i guess yeah bringing it to the iphone makes sense but yeah years ago when facebook was like putting out tv or cameras for your tv it was so strange that apple didn't kind of jump on it then because i think people will get a use out of it and then mac os sonoma the only thing that stood out to me is the fact that there's a new gaming mode that prioritizes processor power and ram for better performance with gaming another example of apple trying to make gaming a thing on the mac even though it really isn't that's the one thing that stood out for me and then i was watching like three um, layer or four layer translation or something like yeah i was just gonna say that like x86 or yeah x86 windows like x86 mac to rose like through rosetta then through this like new optimization thing that you're talking about and um from what i've seen on twitter it seems very promising Dave 2D did a cool video about it, like saying that he saw someone on the plane on his way home from the event playing like cyberpunk on on their Mac. And he just like talked to the developer for a while with how they're able to do that. So that stuff is interesting. But I also don't think that it's necessarily something that the average like Mac user, even someone who's a little more technically minded would end up messing around with but there's broader implications of perhaps this will result in finally us seeing like a few more major game releases on the mac just because the process of porting it is a little easier but apple's done stuff like this in the past and that's never panned out so who knows i will say though notably we are in a world where stuff like this is starting to pan out more i mean the steam deck runs on a similar level not four layers of translation, but Steam Deck translating Windows games to run on Proton, which is Linux or whatever, is a similar like level of translation. So it seems like this is something that can work, although the Steam Deck is much lower lift in terms of power. So it's like, I think it can get away with more. And the Mac being these like beast computers is the ge- people are going to expect the games to look really good and like ray trace and stuff. Although who knows if that's going to work on any of the older M1 stuff. M2 Rosetta emulation is good. Yeah. Yeah, so far, though, it seemed cool. I saw Mac Weinbeck, uh, not Mac, Max Weinbeck on Twitter playing Spider-Man on uh, his Mac. So it seemed interesting. He seemed to be spending a long time getting it set up, but uh, once he was playing it, it seemed to work. So very cool. Um, Yeah, and then on the macOS side, the only thing that I was really excited about was, and this is so dumb, this is actually kind of an iPad feature that we skimmed over too, which is interesting, actually. The iPad really did fall right in between the Mac and the iPhone this year, like most of the features coming to those two things are coming to the iPad, like their FaceTime updates and stuff. And this thing, which is all the new PDF controls, basically Adobe. <laughs> it's weird because earlier in this show, we were just kind of like harping on Apple for killing off uh, like journaling apps. But here I'm happy. I'm praising them for digging a hole and shoving Adobe Reader's dead <laughs> limp app body into it because man, do I hate Adobe Reader and like the find and what's it called or fill and sign mode is like all these extra modes on the side. It's off. I'm sure everybody uses it and everybody's like, well, I have this one feature that I need to use, but if we could just wipe that out and those PDF controls built right into Mac OS and like iPad OS as well, which is the, maybe even the more exciting part of this, that is cool. And I'm excited to just like have one less reason to like look Adobe in the eye at all. Cause they've just never look, just never look at <laughs> Adobe again for the rest of your life. Yeah, man, that stuff's oh, it's just so expensive. And like, I, I love it and I hate it. I was playing a lot with the new Photoshop beta and the generative AI thing is so powerful and so good. Um, 
and like I use Photoshop and Lightroom all the time, but like I got up Premiere and if, if if somebody could make an app as good as Photoshop and Lightroom that was like five hundred dollars instead of like five hundred dollars a year, I would buy it in a heartbeat. Every time I open up Adobe Acrobat, I just get mad. That's, yeah. that's how I would describe it. I just get angry. I feel like I open like up my nothing Mac. Makes sense. And it's just like always open too. And I'm like, what are you doing, Acrobat? Like, get out of here. I use it to sign like embargoes and documents and stuff yeah, like that. But I absolutely. often just get lost when I'm trying to fill it out because it's not straightforward and, it's, and, and all it's that just fun stuff. so convoluted for what it needs to be. Um, so yeah, we're happy that that's dying. Let me just check quick before we move on if I got anything else in my Mac OS notes. Uh, yeah, that was it. And then like the face. There's widgets. Widgets that yeah, you can like, we could slide talk. around. I don't really care about that, but that was a thing. It was like the return of the widgets this year in some ways. Yeah, and it was cool that they do like fade away when you put a, a window over top of them. They go like transparent so you don't like get distracted by them. That was pretty cool. And there's likely some niche scenarios where widget uh like mirroring from your iphone to your mac would pretty powerful like maybe you have like a garage door opener or like i've seen people talking about like the car starting widgets like having access to that on your mac uh it's just kind of a handy little feature so if you're like sending some emails in the morning you could like start your car walk through your house pick up your phone get it good to go all from your computer so i, I would actually those are kind of that. niche edge <laughs> yeah niche edge scenarios but like pulling widgets from the iPhone should allow for like some cool little cheats and hacks in people's lives. And I'm, I'm here for that. It's kind of like the shortcuts app, um, but ideally a lot easier to use. It's just interesting. Well, we'll get we'll, I'll mention this now just because we're about to get into hardware, but it's interesting that like there's an era of Apple where they wanted everything to be in an app. Like widgets were not a thing in Apple's world. Oh. They wanted you to always open an app. And now the widgets have returned in full force across every operating system. And, and... I think this actually plays into the Vision Pro. I feel like this is a hedge to get apps running on Vision Pro quickly, but they finally announced uh, web apps on Safari. So you can oh, yeah. pin web apps to the dock in Safari and multiple profiles in Safari, not related to this Vision Pro tangent, but I do think the web app part is like, oh, now all these web apps will work more natively on Windows, or not on Windows, <laughs> whoops, on Mac. Um, and theoretically, then you could also just like pin those out of Safari on Vision Pro, maybe giving that a bit of a, bit of a quick running ground to start off in the next few years it's just simple points yeah um so yeah let's talk about hardware for a little bit before we delve into the big piece of hardware the vision pro so we also saw the 15 inch macbook air at this event i remember we almost walked right by it we did yeah we almost walked past it because it's like is that it nah maybe we think it's the 13 we're not sure um i didn't think that this thing was real like i know it's been rumored for a long time it just didn't make sense to me in terms of Apple's lineup. That was until I actually used it. Um, very impressed with it. I actually have one. There's no video of this, but I have one sitting beside me. I'm, I'm going to be writing about it at some point um, for mobile syrup. And it's it's really, really light. Uh, you picked it up too. I think you thought it was very light as, as well. Oh, yeah, it didn't feel significantly heavier than the other Air, but it did feel lighter than the Pros. So, I mean, yeah. it's right where you want it, I guess. Yeah, going from the Pro to this like light light laptop was like a breath of fresh air to some extent because i especially after lugging the pro around in my backpack all week at, at wwdc it was like this this is amazing it is so light yeah, um it, it's really weird to like kind of pinpoint the differences um because like when you do hold them side by side you're like okay it doesn't feel like that much heavier like what is like two-thirds of a pound or whatever it is but yeah like you said like when it is in your backpack 
I think you notice the pros and for, and just the extra couple bits that are shaved off the air makes you just not notice them. And I think that is the biggest difference for me, at least when I had the 13 inch air last year, that was something that I really took away. I, I said it to you a couple of times. I was like, I wish I had the 13 inch air and not this pro. I do not need the pro. Like for what I do now for my job, I do not need the pro. Like I can, the power of Apple's M series chips is, is like good enough for my purposes. Even if I was still using an M1. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, we used to have video edit on M1. I remember when I did the M1 Mac video on the Island, just yeah. blown away. I was like, this is the best freaking computer ever. Like I'm rendering so quick. Battery life is awesome. And we're like now, you know, a few generations removed from that. And yeah, everything is awesome over here. It's pretty cool. I don't think there's anything else really to say about it. Like it's 15 inches. So it's obviously two inches. I'm a little, I'm a little bigger. sad that we didn't get a couple of extra ports on one side. Yeah. Maybe it would have went a long way towards like stopping people from buying the 13 inch MacBook pro. I'm still hoping this will. I think there has been years and years and years of conditioning for, for consumers that like the macbook air is for students and the macbook pro is for like everybody else and even for students i mean i i know most of the people i saw in university and this was years ago at this point um were using macbook pros and they didn't need to then but still the like selling kind of sales market force behind that was like you want to you want to beef out you get the macbook pro and, and the air is just kind of like not very powerful and I think that dynamic has completely changed with the M series, but I still think we sell, see a lot of people buying MacBook Pros um, where I think like now this computer is finally the piece of the puzzle that is like bigger. It's a little flashier than the regular MacBook Air. Like Apple store salespeople can upsell it the same way they could upsell a Pro. You know, they still get that like upsell in because like in sales, you know how crucial the upsell is. Um, so, you know, they come in, someone's like, I need a laptop. What's this one here? And like, well, that's the air. But if you really want to bump it up, we got a bigger one over here for an extra couple hundred bucks and it's offering all these more pixels, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think this is a turning point for them, but only because of all those things I just said. And then also because the other airs got cheaper because this one released, which I think is a very smart move. How much cheaper did they get? It was a I believe each other air dropped a hundred. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly the Canadian prices. Let me just I think it was a hundred, even in even in Canada. I know there's a price. That makes the most sense. Yeah, I mean I, I wasn't on board with this going into it because I didn't think it made sense and, and now I get it. I think the other thing worth noting is that a lot of Windows laptops are fifteen inches. Like that's the pretty standard size for Windows laptops. So in a sense it also makes sense to for Apple to offer a similar sized device and now they have that out there. But I agree with you about the ports. It like just looking at it beside me, it's really weird that there's all this real estate and there's only only the two ports. It's uh, even a single USB C port on the uh, like on the side that just has the headphone jack. That's all it needs. Really helpful. It's like I don't like four is whatever. I don't really need four, but even just one on each side would have been nice. Plus the MagSafe port and the headphone jack, and I think that would have been fine. But like just having them all on one side means like I gotta set my desk set up around this, and I can't like it's not as flexible to like fit in all these different places in my life. Well, that was um, what I ran into when I had the the M one. M1 Pro M only had two ports on the one M1 side. The M1 Pro that only had two. Yeah. I had to like rework you're everything right, on my does. desk just to use that. Uh, it was a nightmare. Brutal. Yeah. So um, you're going to go through that again, I guess, later today. <laughs> yeah, I will. Actually, I have it. I have it. So my desk setup, I never changed after doing that. I it still have go the back. boards all going Perfect. from the left okay. side. So I'm, I'm going to do the exact same thing again. I'm looking at it now once I get it like up and running. Cool. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't think there's much else to say about it. One thing that I'm interested in testing is is the battery life, just because exactly. that's exactly bigger, what I was going to say. Bigger screen, it's, but well, and a bigger that, battery like, though, it should be beef. I think it's going to be sweet. In theory, they they don't talk about battery size; they just give you like an estimate. Um, and the estimate, to my knowledge, is relatively the same as the 13 inch, give or take like a couple, not a couple hours, like a little bit of time. Yeah, they're saying um, so I don't 18 hours on the impact. airs. It says it is it the exact same that they're recommending says, across both? Oh, wait, that's 13. Yeah, yeah, 18 on both. 18 hours on both so, recommended. We'll see if it hits that. But uh, Apple's estimates, you also got to take them with a grain of salt because it's like you only use Safari and you're not watching I, videos. And I think it is just Apple TV Plus played back for constantly on like is mid, that what they mid, do bright, mid brightness or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they told the Wall Street Journal that or something. Um, which is like nobody would ever do that for 12 hours. No. <laughs> and it's different. It's different now too because there's more native M1 apps than there was like back when this was a huge problem, like when Chrome would destroy the M1's battery. So it's a bit of a different I, situation. I, I'm actually interested to see what you get out of this because the Pros have a longer rated battery life, but they are just so much more power hungry than the Airs. So realistically, like everything you do on the Pro would probably just draw a little more power than it would on the Air. So you might be able to actually sneak out more on the Air just because it's of possible. your workflow, not dipping into things like heavy duty photo video editing all the time you know i think a little bit of photoshop might hit you a little bit but like if you're not doing two hours of video editing you should crush through i think yeah good point um let's talk about the mac studio now uh to my knowledge this is the exact same overall design i'm also looking at an hdmi 2.1 port it got that but it's not actually hdmi 2.1 it just supports some of the spec of hdmi 2.1 but as far as i can tell it's the stuff that like you no, I thought about. somebody said it was two point one confirmed. No, I was I was in a I was in a briefing and it's eight. They I think Apple got in a little bit of trouble for saying that uh, their devices officially support HDMI two point one because there's certain aspects of the spec because it's this very very long list from the HDMI consortium that its ports oh do not support. But that said, it's all the stuff that you care about. Like it's all the resolution and the frame rate, all of those things it supports. And that's all that really matters. It's some of the lesser known, I can't even remember them offhand, the lesser known aspects of the spec that it doesn't. So they can't officially say that it supports HDMI 2.1, but they say that it supports the majority of the HDMI 2.1 spec. That is brutal. Okay, but either way, yeah, I guess I mean it's doing doesn't matter. Whatever. It's just it says they can do six displays off it or eight something like crazy like that but yeah either way that is the one thing that i was going to say changed but i guess it only changed slightly <laughs> and then you have the, the mean, m2 the max yeah you got the m2 max and you got the m2 ultra which are super powerful i don't know what the one that i have has in it i'm guessing it's the m2 max lately because that's usually what apple sends me that's what they sent me with the first mac studio so i'll be running benchmarks and i can we can kind of like give you a visual view of like how much more powerful it is um, and the only thing that I wanted to say about these is like, there are like the MacBook Pro is already overkill for what I do most of the time, but I do appreciate the power. Once you get into the Max and the Ultra, like it's well beyond anything that, that I could possibly need. Who do you think, like, who do you think the Mac Studio is now targeting? Is it like developers? Is it like Pixar doing animation? Like, who is this particular device for? Yeah, it's really tough because the Mac Mini, 
I believe does have the M1 or M2 Pro chip, which in our experience, and that's what I use in my laptop like every day, has been fantastic. I do think the Max, if you're going to go desktop, part of the reason I went Pro is because it has supposedly better battery life. So if you're going to go desktop, maybe going Max is a better get because you're worrying less of a power over time. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to point out because like we were saying in the air conversation, the regular M2 chips, M2 Pro chips are so powerful, but the air is held back by lack of ports. And the Mac Mini is kind of in that same boat. So if you want to get ports and like unlock creative potential with like seamless workflows, the MacBook Pro and the MacBook so Studio. So like Johnny Ive like as- Yeah. <laughs> you get this aluminum bot, aluminum bodies. Aluminum. Um, uh, but they have like SD cards, they have the newer HDMI spec, they support more monitors, they've got a USB-A port on here. No, <laughs> I, I, no. They have, but they have more ports and like that's kind of the bigger thing that you're paying for um, at this point. Like you would have to be really pushing it, like making a movie or maybe like Blender, like high end, like 3D visual effects workflows. That's what I think of it's for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, like it's really hard to pin down because you could get all that same power out of a laptop too. But I think that's who it's for. Um, yeah, it's a little, it's, 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 it's a shame, I guess, because it's so great. Um, but the Mac Mini is just such a better deal that I think people would like lean towards the Mini. But yeah, it's a fantastic computer and it's high end workflows, motion graphics, three D art. Um, I mean, really intense video editing and things that had to go like super fast and did a lot of cuts probably. I don't and know. then you also... Very th- pro, yeah. There's also the Mac Pro got the M2 Ultra chip as well and like the Mac version of that. The only thing that I have noteworthy here and I think there's been a bit of reporting out there, um, particularly with Apple even on the record. I haven't had the chance to read the stories yet. But the fact that it still just uses an integrated GPU, there's not an opportunity to add external gpus to it which i expected but i think a lot of people were hoping that given apple's more open nature with these cards where you can swap out all the io on the back and that sort of thing that they would kind of open up the floodgates and allowed external gpus i didn't expect that but i know that that was something that um even other like youtubers and canadian media on i had a feeling that would happen it seemed to make it seemed to be the only thing going into it that logically made sense um, which is why the Mac Pro, I haven't looked at the pricing, so I don't know if the price is still like ludicrous compared to the It's still studio. ludicrous. It's crazy. I'm looking at it right now. It uh, starts at 8999 I will say the fans in the front are huge. They are thick. They are like, I don't even know, three hockey pucks deep, it felt like. but And you get three of them. So the air supply through the Mac Pro is really the biggest draw. There was a huge heat sink in there. Um but then again, I really don't know where they would upgrade over the Mac Studio. So like those PCI spot, uh, I'm like getting jumbled up on the acronyms, but the PCI slots in the Mac Pro, basically, generally that's what you would use in a Windows computer to connect a graphics card, but you can still connect a lot of other accessories. Although basically, sorry, you can accept a lot of, connect a lot of other accessories because PCI, especially PCI Gen 4, like is in the Mac Pro, is like the fastest way to transfer data through like a port connection that is like, reasonably standard so you can just jam data through it like fast it has tons and tons of lanes to push data through that's why they work so well for graphics cards so apple what they were talking to us about we were kind of asking questions at the show floor was like 
uh, what we were thinking about people putting storage cars. I remember watching like a Linus Tech Tips video that was like a PCI card that fit in and then just had like 10, probably not 10, but like six, maybe 10, a ton of M.2 slots. You could put a ton of really fast hard drives in and oh, then you okay. could just like swap those in and out. So like theoretically you could buy the Mac Pro and you could expand it through like 80 terabytes of storage, ultra fast storage fairly easily. Or you can get like a really high end sound card, which I think once you get into like really high end audio mixing for like movies, like uh, the show they showed off Top Gun, something like that. Yeah, it makes sense where you really want like a really high end sound card where you know you can control all the variables on it. It's not through USB. It's fast. It's in there. But beyond like storage and audio, it would be way more niche, I think, to find things that connect through PCI. I'm sure there are those cases. There are probably a few professionals on the edge that are like, we need it for this thing or we have like a, a skill. I don't even know. But like there will be some things that fit into it. Um, but it is a shame that they're not working with graphics cards because it would have been cool to see. And it would have just just been interesting. It would have opened up the market, I guess, a little bit. But there would have been a lot of coding, I guess, for compatibility in there. And I don't know if NVIDIA, Intel, or AMD would have really play ball. So hard to tell. They did work with, like, this is probably five, six years ago now, but there was, like, an error where you could use an external GPU with the MacBook Pro. Um, so they do have a history of it. I totally forgot about oh, that. Oh, yeah, I forgot um, about that little thing. Yeah. But That's so the true. only thing that I wanted to, to mention here before we get onto the Vision Pro is just that like, so in my mind, the Mac Studios for people that require like very, very high end video editing or do like a lot of graphics work, like video game developers, that sort of thing. The Mac Pro to me is like, and it's crazy expensive. It's like a regular person's not buying that thing for the most part. That's like a company uh, is. computer animation studios. That's like Disney. That's like, uh, whoever Paramount, like, Weta VFX, Paramount, like yeah, yeah vfx studios are buying those and using them so when people cry about i don't want to say cry but when people complain about the cost the cost really isn't a thing because it's companies that are buying it right it's it's like a little it's a little different to me at least in my brain um but yeah yeah i think that's that hits the nail on the head which is i guess why it's just so strange to us and and again it is a a bit strange that the price between that and the studio is pretty drastic for that coming with the same chip okay let's talk about the vision pro i went hands-on with it um you i did not i'm gonna cry didn't so i I will crying about it a lot (laughs) (laughs) i'll let you just like i think the best way to present this rather than me going into a long-winded spiel about it is like you just ask me questions about what you think listeners would want to know about with the vision pro Okay, for someone for someone on the outside, I think the thing that like really blew me away the most with everyone I talked to, and I talked to everyone I could about their experiences with the Vision Pro to live vicariously, um, but it was the eye tracking. I didn't meet a single person who was like, oh, the eye tracking wasn't as good as I thought. Every single person was just like, holy moly. It was so like minute. It captured every like minuscule movement, and it just seemed to work. It was magic. Can you speak to that, I guess? Oh. oh look! I I don't know if anybody MacBook heard that. Air is ready. That's, that's the MacBook Air. It's ready Came to go. Out of the oven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can definitely talk about that. That was one of the most impressive things about the Vision Pro was the fact that the eye tracking works so well. Like I tried to break it, um, and I guess to just explain what it does, like your eyes are kind of the mouse for this device. It did like a string of CBC radio interviews and tried to break it down for a general audience, and that's what I was describing it as. Like your eyes are the mouse. Whatever you look at is where your pointer is. And you can try to break it. You can try to confuse it. You can dart your eyes around like crazy. And it doesn't matter. It will track them and it will it will work. Um, 
I couldn't That's trick so cool. it. I, I don't know if that situation would change if the lighting in the room was different. Obviously, this was a controlled demo in a very specific environment. But I don't think it would because the lighting inside the headset would be consistent. It's not really goggles. Yeah, I don't you know, think so either. It's a screen that blocks out all the light. I, I just want to hedge infrared cameras and stuff. I just want to hedge like slightly because like when sure. Apple does these things, it's it's very controlled. It's in this perfectly lit room. I don't know what it would be like if you're using it at home on your couch, but under those circumstances, it was one or of like the on most a bumpy Im- flight where you're like, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like there's there's other aspects <laughs> yeah. in there, but uh, in terms of like tech demos that I have experienced, it was extremely that feature in particular was extremely seamless. And then the other thing tied to that is the like kind of claw motion that you use which would be the clicking of your mouse so you like look at something and you you click your fingers like you make this little like i don't know almost like your pointer finger and pinch you pinch yes that's what that's how you should uh, how i should be but a a quick yeah it is like a pinch but it's not quite like the slow pinch to zoom movement it's quick it's like you're pretending on like you're squishing something between your two fingers and that also just works in a very ridiculously accurate way. Like I was doing it really low by my legs. I was doing it up in the air. I was doing it like beside my head and it just worked. And it was weird at first, this interaction of like, okay, I'm looking at this, then I'm pinching. But after like less than 30 seconds to a minute, it was one of the most natural forms of interacting with the device that I've ever experienced. And I've even gone so far as describe it in some cases, um, the equivalent of like using uh, Apple's like iPhone touchscreen for the first time where it did so many things different than other touchscreens we'd seen in the past, like the scrolling or the interaction of like touching things, the way that they vibrate, like all these little things, things, yeah, Yeah, the weight of things. That's what it felt like. It, it did feel in that respect, like the future of computing in some way. So I'll give Apple credit um, when it comes to how you control the device. Yeah, it's it seems really cool. Although the the idea of like laying on my couch and people can't see this, but just laying on my couch, not moving, but my just my finger <laughs> just like rapidly like <laughs> like what is Clicking that guy doing? And you like look in the headset, and I'm just like at a jazz concert. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's good. But yeah, I I think the next thing I guess so. I guess I want to ask about comfort and this sort of like infamous third strap that's sort of floating around the internet. Yeah. In all the pictures, you only saw that one strap that went over your head. And that was one of the things that I was somewhat worried about with Apple's headset because I assumed it would be front weighted. And I was right. It is very front weighted. But metal in the demo space, there's this. Sorry. I said it's a metal design. Lots of glass. Yeah. A lot, a lot of glass. Yep. It's it's a it's a thick, heavy boy. Um, but that strap that goes across the top of your head that you just have to adjust and we've seen it on other VR headsets. And I think that's part of why Apple hasn't shown it off. It wants to differentiate itself in some ways. Um, for sure. Definitely hair runer. It made it sit very securely on my head. Like it, I was moving around. It wasn't a very active demo. I was sitting stationary, but it stayed sitting on my head the entire time. Mm hmm. Yeah, it is. It, it's very Apple to show it off without the like se- security, like lock-in head strap or whatever. But there, there was a clip. <laughs> It'd be funny that if there's like another it, strap that's like a chin strap. <laughs> this is secret chin strap. Wasn't there a clip that came out later though that that featured? Yeah, that one tiny way? clip. It was like a. It was hard to tell. It wasn't like, but like you know what I mean. Like they showed it off. No, how yeah, many yeah. were in the demo. Like eight, nine. It was intentional. All looking exactly the same. None of them had the strap. Nobody in the footage that we actually saw that was using for a long time was like, 
um, using that strap, which makes sense. You got to make it look cool. And I think they did. Maybe that's what we should talk about next is, is sort of the, your favorite parts of the design of it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very Apple move to paint the picture their way. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the design. Sorry. I think it looks, or, I, I've been describing it as like this cool cyberpunk thing. And like people in the comment sections have been destroying me for it. But I, I do still stand by that. Like <laughs> if no one can see this, but Bennett just pulled his uh, uh, AirPods Max down over his face. And that's kind of the, the vibe that the, the device evokes. Um, so be in the but future. It, it, I think in person, very similar to a lot of different tech products, it looks way cooler. You really get more of appreciation for that front facing eyesight screen, which wasn't active and wasn't working in my demo. Uh, I should note that. Um, the curved design, the like AirPods the... Max, like uh, aluminum. What's, what are the AirPods Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure they're aluminum, but like, yeah, that like matte aluminum that like wraps around and it's just like curves ever so slightly inwards to the cup under your face and outwards to like catch the bulb of the glass. Yeah. And it has like all these little holes in it for airflow and speakers and things like that. And like the cameras are really quite invisible in it. Like it's pretty cool. It like, doesn't you know I mean? like feel the like a toy. The MetaQuest 3 has say. like a like a triforce of cameras like directly on the front that you can just see staring at you in the Apple one doesn't look like cameras even though there's like 18 cameras i don't really know how many actual cameras there are but there are like a ton a of sensors on the front of that thing that they're all tracking information around you in camera like ways um but even the strap i like i, I don't want to get off this yet but the strap like the like the sort of like waffle texture in it and the idea that you just like twist the one knob on the side and it pulls it tight is like a really simple way and it, it did seem like even without the top strap that we didn't get to see, even the one that we did get showed off a lot, that like sort of cup part where it sort of cups the back of your head, like kind of like a baseball mitt more than just a strap going across seemed pretty, pretty cool. And I, I just liked the look of the material they were using that like Heather gray and orange was, was really futuristic. And yeah, I'm still shook. They haven't put out an orange iPhone from to go orange accents on Apple watch ultra and then orange accents on this. Well, I guess if there's an iPhone Ultra next year, maybe it'll have orange accents, but I'm might, yeah. dreaming of it. <laughs> um, it's the best looking VR AR headset that I have ever worn. It was the most comfortable um, with the PlayStation VR 2 maybe kind of tying it in some ways. The only thing I would say is that it's heavy and I wore it for 30 minutes and it felt light when I first put it on. By the end of that 30 minute demo session, it started to feel extremely, extremely, not not extremely, extremely heavy, but it started to feel weighty on me. Yeah. Um, I could feel it. I knew that it was there, but uh, there's definitely like you just talked about it all. There's definitely some Apple um, design cues in there that you would not see from another company. Like the the MetaQuest Three looks like a toy in comparison. Yeah. But the other thing I would say is it's still a very like geeky, nerdy design. The one thing that I've been talking about a lot since trying it is like I don't think this is the end of the line for what Apple wants. This type of device to look like i think the goal is to create a pair of sleek looking glasses that don't look geeky and nerdy that you wouldn't be necessarily embarrassed to like put on on an airplane or like put on at the bus stop or something like that like i think that's what <laughs> imagine wearing one at a bus stop that's the worst example but you know what i mean right like they they want something that's a little that stands out a little less and that even the average person not nerds like us the average person will look at and be like that looks sick that that's where i think they're headed with this and that's not what this design 
embodies yet this like mainstream wide appeal but i personally think it looks really cool i i agree even it's kind of crazy because like as you're saying it's almost like this is a tech demo for apple i mean it's not coming out until 2024 i my money's on the end of 2024 and like even at that point it'll be us only and probably mostly developer only but they still made it look cool as hell and i'm here for that i'm here for that but yeah classic apple product being like similar to the airpods max they're like we've got to make it out of metal i don't care if it's too heavy and uncomfortable it's got to be metal looks nice which it does but anyone that owns owns airpod max knows that wearing wearing them for a long period of time is not a comfortable experience no they're heavy heavy guys yeah they literally leave like a ridge in the top of my head that i can like run my finger over and feel like a bump where like the metal is indented my head oh yeah totally i had the same issue brutal um yeah i don't know i guess the one thing we didn't talk about really at all was how the battery connects to it it's like this little mag safe thing that kind of like locks in place which is interesting yeah i they wouldn't let me pop it in or out but i did oh, see, see someone do it um they were very intentional about me not touching the headset in ways that they didn't want me to touch it which i found fascinating I've never experienced that before in a demo but i think they just didn't want people to do things with it that they weren't prepared to talk about yet is is what i would say um but there was a portion of the demo where i had to pick up the charger the battery brick uh slid it into my pocket there's like a nice braided cable that runs up to the headset it's kind of a a take on magsafe where it magnetically attaches but you have to twist it to lock it in place but that also brings me to something else that we should briefly talk about a lot of the demos that i experienced were were very stationary like i wasn't Mm. interacting with things in a room scale way the only one that featured any movement was like and and they were kind of weird about it they were like you could stand up or you could stay seated seated so i was like i'll stand up so i stood up and i walked towards the wall um and a dinosaur it was like watching dinosaurs on a tv sort of and then the dinosaurs came out of the wall and there's like this 3d feeling to it and that's the butterfly thing that everybody's been talking about where like a butterfly lands on your finger and you can twist it and the butterfly is 3D and there's there's this very three-dimensional aspect to it. But I also could have experienced that same thing just sitting on the couch. There wasn't anything. Right. I wasn't picking up objects. I, I wasn't doing anything within that three-dimensional space. And I think that the headset is capable of creating those experiences. Apple just isn't showing them off yet, which I found kind of strange there's also no gaming stuff either um which was a little weird to me they're very much like positioning this as a productivity device even though we obviously know it will run games it was a lot of like floating flat windows which is basically like you have a monitor in front of you anywhere exactly i'm going to live in the meta workspace and have a virtual office it's like no i'll just be in my office and i can see it and i'll have floating monitors around me and i could turn the office part off i guess that's what the crown does on it right it like yeah you can spin this like little digital crown on the side that's a good point you should probably talk about that and that was another innovative feature where like you're you're locked into the ar vr space but say your uh, partner walks in the room and you need to speak to them you just spin this dial and that all fades away and you then see the person in the real world in front of you and you're able to interact with them and talk to them um, which i think is cool and i know people are probably like screaming at the top of their lungs that like other headsets do this there is a way well and also like just take the headset like if you're already reaching up to turn the dial why not just and for those listening i just did the motion of like taking glasses and putting them on your forehead and what i would say to that is this is just way more intuitive you don't have to take the headset off and it didn't feel uncomfortable to still be talking to the two apple representatives flanking me it it was like an 
a natural conversation. I'm sure it looked different for them and was probably a little more awkward because I'm wearing this headset on my face. But it was I'm again kind of playing something devil's that... advocate. No, I know, I know what you mean. And I, I used to be really against talking to people with AirPods in, um, but people do it all the time now. You just have to like accept that sometimes you will just go to a store and the people working are just going to have AirPods in, and you just have to like trust that they can hear you. Yeah. So it, it's kind of kind of like that. Like this is Apple taking stuff that we've seen Meta do, stuff that we've seen HTC do with the several Vive headsets and doing its own spin on it that's better than what I've at least personally experienced before. Yeah, with, the with tech the does look phenomenal. Stuff. I know they showed off um, in a lot of the keynote footage, like Mindspace stuff. Mindspace? Uh, like meditation stuff, the yeah, like there calm were... stuff. So I didn't write about that at all. Anything like that that you got to go through? Yeah. There was a very brief um, three-dimensional like relaxation meditation experience where these like triangles, I think they were triangles were just kind of like flying at me and the headset was telling me to like, relax, chill out, <laughs> think, be present. And it was, That's it nice. was kind of, kind of nice. Like I'm I enjoyed sure it. Was, yeah. I did feel a little chilled out despite there being like two people in the room, just watching just my every move at every time, yeah. just staring at me. Um, I don't know if I would use a VR headset for that kind of thing, but that was an experience that I don't think many people have, talked about i didn't even remember it until now yeah i think a lot of people are similar to you where it's like unless you use calm or some other kind of mind space app i think a lot of people haven't really transitioned over to this like daily meditation practice that apple is really trying to push with its products i'm one of them i haven't transitioned over either although starting to see the value of it perhaps um but one of the things i was going to say is the thing people do keep talking about is the butterfly interaction and how sort of spontaneous and real it was um but also unreal because in real life how many times has a butterfly landed on your hand? And, you know, yeah. once, like once when you were a child, it is a wonderful memory, I'm sure. But like, you know what I mean? That doesn't, not something that you go out and you're like, butterflies don't just come and land on your hands. So it would be really cool if they were able to tie that in with your mind space. So like, say you're working in your monitors, right? You're like zoned in, you got your dial cranked up, you're only in the virtual world and you're working, an working, working. Point. And then all of a sudden the butterfly kind of comes over and lands on your hand and it doesn't really say anything but that's meant to be a moment of reflection. Like you're meant to have a break when that happens, it comes over and you can just spend a moment being like, Oh yeah, look at this cool, like butterfly or dragonfly or whatever, something or a Raven could, you know, like these little things could interrupt you with these magical moments. And maybe that's a really cool way to like implement these like mind space tactics rather than being like, I'm going to choose to do a meditation and go into an app and like sit awkwardly on my couch and breathe deeply. Instead it'd be like, Hey, We've seen Brad working for four hours. Let's just throw him like a two minute throw butterfly, him a butterfly break. Yeah, give him a butterfly. You know, That's monarchs really, are coming through. That would be fun. Really I would be down idea. for that. Because like the Apple Watch, when it is like, hey, take a moment of reflection and like read you a little quote. It's like, I turn that off immediately. Me because too. it just felt corny. Yeah. But the way that everyone talks about the magicalness of this like butterfly actually reacting to them and like giving them a moment, I think could be really, really powerful and really kind of cool. Yeah, the butterfly thing was so impactful, I think, in part for me, 
because the screen resolution is so high it's like two four k above they just say slightly above four k i don't think we know the actual resolution but slightly above it's 4K like 23 screens. million pixels whatever that breaks down Some, into even something yeah. like that it's the highest resolution display that i've ever had strapped to my face in a vr ar headset that that i know for sure that's a quote so right it, there put that on the box baby <laughs> <laughs> so it, it when it landed on my finger and i was like twisting it and for me this worked i know we talked to other people were like the butterfly started clipping around their finger or like it flew off, like not flew off it, but it like was floating beside it. Or for me, it was like on my finger the entire time. And I think that might've been because I did more subtle movements with my finger. Well, I think I you would like, have to act like a butterfly is on your finger for real. That's you know? what I did. That's it. That's yeah, precisely exactly. what I did. Um, and it felt so real, even though I quite obviously knew that it wasn't, that there was like a bit of sensory trickery where it, felt like the butterfly's legs were on my finger and that's not something that i have ever experienced before in vr and ar ever and i've used most of the major headsets at this point over the years i used to write like a vr column for mobile syrup so that was like um and i've had very few of these moments in my career but that was like a, a wow moment for me where i was like there's a lot of stuff about this headset that isn't ready yet but there's something potentially potentially groundbreaking here in some respects yeah i think so yeah there's just, i mean it's i hate being like a journalist and having to like resolve something this way but yeah the potential of it is extraordinary and it'll be really exciting to see where it goes from here i wish it was extraordinary now but yeah potential is, is we'll see where it future. goes in the future anything else you kind of want i guess i have some developer interviews if you haven't been over a mobile syrup there's some some cool takes from there. Um, one of the Water Llama app we've both been kind of talking about. I I set it up, but I got a lot of notifications during the weekend. But I was visiting my parents, so it wasn't a lot of water that I was drinking. But I got to use cool that stuff. app. Yeah. I got to use that app. I like all of my health issues are linked to the fact that I don't drink any water. I even have a water bottle here today that I have. I drink. brought one as well. But this is literally the story of why this is here and it's because there's a giant green water bottle beside me is because at 10 i was like all right i'm gonna go grab a coffee so i walked to tim hortons in the rain closed for the day which was strange because tim hortons never why is closes. it closed i don't know i'm hoping it's not like a health code violation oh, yeah. um and then i was like whatever there's like a little tiny coffee shop even closer to my house because the coins is about as far as i'll go on like a, just a spontaneous walk yeah I was like, whatever and um the one across, like the one down the street from me, also just they're much smaller, so they're just always closed on Mondays. So I'm like standing in the rain with my umbrella, being like, "Why?" <laughs> and then I eventually just had to be like, "All right, I guess I'm just gonna drink water today. Maybe that's for the best." So, I that's what I combination of water now. llama and bad luck have brought me around. <laughs> I have one coffee in the morning, and then I just try to drink water all day. Yeah, we'll, we'll see I think you can log goes, coffee in the app too, and it will oh, like log you? it as a as a drink, and will like give you the I'm effects gonna, normally. But like, because I think when you log then. different drinks, it like fills up the llama sort of like pinata style with like different layers of color. So like, water would be blue, coffee would be brown, like soda is red, which uses orange, some something like that. It's kind of fun, yeah. But that's a good story that you you wrote um, kind of outside of the hustle and bustle of all the announcements. It's like a conversation with several Canadian developers about their experience at WWDC because therefore yeah. they're there for a very different reason than us. So it's interesting to hear their perspective on the announcements and the new features and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely a lot of excitement for the headset. People are still like struggling to come up with ideas for it, I think, because it's such new tech. The Water Llama guys were like, oh, maybe we could get a... Um, they have an app called Mind Llama, like a meditation headspace app with a lot of, they really took their illustration stuff to the next level, they were saying. So it'd be kind of fun to do a VR version of that. But 
yeah, uh, the other app I, I um, talked to was called Life Lapse. It was like a stop motion thing. So you'd kind of need a tripod for stop motion or like a stable camera of some sense. So a camera being on your head moving doesn't quite work. But the 3D photo stuff that got announced alongside the headset they were really into that could be a future photography tool that we do use a lot more, kind of like live photos or something. Um, and the last one was called Bus Bud. So if you're doing any traveling this summer and you want to take ground transportation, carpools, buses, ferries, uh, trams, trains, Bus Bud, Canadian made, very cool app. Well, well designed, honestly. And yeah, yeah that's it's a good story. It's, in, it's interesting stuff. Um, and then, then I guess the last thing that I'll say before we wrap it up and get to the closing is that I think the thing that a lot of people are missing about this headset is that this is, and I talked about a little bit about it before, but this isn't like the final device that Apple wants to release. They had to get a piece of hardware out there to get developers to start working seriously in the AR and the VR space. Like I know they've dabbled with that with the LiDAR sensor and the iPad Pro and um, stuff with the iPhone too at the same time. But this was like, they had to get this out. They had to create a physical piece of product, uh, a physical product, but it's not for the average consumer. Like, I don't think Apple even expects this to sell well. Like the rumors are that they're going to manufacture less than a million of them worldwide. Like they don't expect people to run out and buy this. This is for developers to create cool experiences, to get the ball rolling on future AR slash VR apps down the line. And it's for like Apple fanatics that want to be part of the very early days of burgeoning new technology in the same way that when oculus first came out and there would be like different versions of the headset every six months that people would have to like shell out more money for it was like for wealthy people that were very interested in being part of that process and developers and that's what this is this is apple's take on that and you can think that they're too late to the game um but the one thing that i think is undeniable is that there's very cool things that this device is capable of. Do I, am I like sold on the future of this being the future of computing? I don't think so. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that I ever will be, but I can see the potential there on some levels, especially after using it. Um, for the people that think Apple is late to the game, I think the game is is just beginning. One of the tweets that I saw that was really interesting was from a VR developer. And he was talking about how there's this pseudo um, transparent, but but still opaque. Like you can't see through the fogged glass sort of textures on VR headsets on Windows because the power is just not enough. And Apple launched theirs out of the gate with like enough power to do these transparent windows that just like float there and have movable shadows. That's a good point. Like, well, that is a, you know, I, the game is, is just beginning and Apple Silicon really, I think, unlocked the power for them for this. But I think the game of catch up from the other side will be very exciting to watch as well. Yeah, listen to some uh, Mark Zuckerberg reaction interviews, and he he seems shook, a little shook by this device to some extent. It's it's they're fascinating, fascinating stuff. I forgot who he sat down with, but I, I watched it this morning, and I was like, yeah, yeah, this guy can't even hide the fact that he is pretty concerned. About I this. know. Whenever you hear somebody go, "Well, but ours is cheaper," you're like, yeah. "Well, you're fucked." Sorry, guys. He's like, "It'll it'll make." the meta quest 3 sell more and i'm like well i don't know it actually might it probably will um but what about the meta quest 4 what about the meta quest 5 i don't know and the meta quest pro killed it immediately the meta quest Quest pro Pro was immediately just killed when this got announced 
And but that's the, the regular MetaQuest, the gaming one for like the VR enthusiasts that don't have $3,000, only have 600 bucks to stake a scrounge together. I think the MetaQuest Pro is a really fun headset, or the MetaQuest 3 is going to be a really fun headset. The controllers look really awesome. And PC gaming and VR, still really great. I don't know about the future of work. Apple seems to be a few steps ahead on there. But in, if you want a game, Meta's got your back for sure. True. All right. Um, I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up. That's it. Thanks for listening to the Surfcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke and of course on mobilesurf.com. I have a pretty in-depth story about spending 20,000 kilometers driving uh, Hyundai's Ioniq 5. I actually purchased one. It is my main vehicle. It is my only car. So I have a bit of a different perspective than automotive journalists or reviewers or YouTubers, whatever, that only spent like a few days. with Definitely a long-term perspective, which is really cool yeah. to see. And it's that's relatively, don't want to toot my own horn, but that's relatively rare in the writing about automotive space to, to like actually own a car and, and be writing about it. So some interesting insight in there. Check it out if you're interested in that. And also, obviously, my hands-on with the Apple Vision Pro. There's a written story. Bennett threw together this excellent video. Um, he made me sound very intelligent with my stand-up that we had to shoot many, many times. So thanks for that. It's a, it's a stellar video that kind of breaks down a lot of what I say in the written story. So... If you're not a fan of words, you can always watch that video on YouTube and on the website. Um, and Bennett, where can people find you? Nice. Yeah, you can find me here for the next few hours. And in honor of Mark Zuckerberg getting just destroyed, I'm going to read the entire script of the social network. <laughs> From the back, we hear Mark voiceover. Did you know there are more people with genius IQs living in China than there are people of any kind living in the United States? Erica. That can't be true, Mark. It is true. Erica. What would account for that? Well... First of all, a lot of people live in China, but here's my question, said Mark. Fade in, campus bar, nighttime. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm Brad Bennett. You can find me mobile you syrup. Should, um, you should do ASMR of that. Just create a YouTube channel. Yeah, I should redo all of the tech biopics as audiobooks. Oh, hell yeah. That would be fun. I probably, dream. I wouldn't be working here. I'd be rolling in the dough. I'd be basically the oh, Zuckerberg yeah. level at that point. I'd be the next Bezos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me mobile syrup you can find me anywhere online at the brad fad uh, we've got more tech effect episodes coming lots of apple stuff in the pipeline as well coming out of this event and um yeah i think it's going to be a fun summer of tech this is a lot of cool stuff and and seriously we didn't talk about everything but i i do think there's going to be a lot of sly ios ipad os tv os updates coming out so really make sure you're on mobile syrup.com one thing we didn't even touch about we're out of time but the new air tag updates so that you aren't stalking yes, your loved true. ones the that you're constantly one. traveling with anymore my camera is no longer going to be the bane of Alex's existence so exciting stuff but i guess we'll have to talk about that one next time there's a there's a lot of stuff on the site Should check out the site we we've only really scratched the surface of our wwdc coverage um you guys and as always we got a site we have a site up there yeah we, we do have a website it's, we have it's a website. rare yeah we're we're one of the only tech websites in canada we got one of those things floating around still it's up um, there we host it and did as you always pay the you fees find... this month yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> did you pay the fees <laughs> and as always you can find all of our content on mobileserve.com and also follow us on twitter and instagram at at mobile syrup thanks for listening peace Bye, everyone. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 